0: So if you're ready to be bloat free, poo better, have more energy and become free from the fear of food, then you are in the right place. Hello and welcome back to another episode on the Nourish Gut podcast. Today I'm super excited to be bringing you Lucia. She has been I've been anticipating her uh, appearance on this podcast for nearly over a year. There's been a few reschedulations for this podcast. So I'm hoping you are all buckled up and ready to listen because it is going to be awesome. Uh Lucia is a chemical and biomedical engineer as well as a registered nutritionist. She has a passion for the gut microbiome and genetics and is an advanced microbiome manipulation analyst, as well as a certified healthy gut practitioner via the Microbiome Restoration Centre. Lucy has also undergone further training with MTHFR, Methylation and Genomic Institute, and is also SIBO doctor trained and has done all of my trainings under the Nourish Gut Certification, which is super exciting, very well-educated, and has done a lot of uh, postgraduate independent research and training, which I thoroughly love to see. She focuses her work in in helping individuals overcome gut disorders and dysbiosis, such as SIBO, IBS, IBD, general gastrointestinal disorders, as well as running her six-month nutrition program, which dives deep into genetics, as well as, of course, the gut microbiome. A huge welcome to you, Lycia. Let's jump in and have a chat about all things gut health, aging, and... The microbiome.
1: Hi Carly, thanks for having me. I'm very excited. I know we've rescheduled a few times because of all the things but it's probably a good thing because it's allowed me to learn more and have more to bring to this discussion which has been great.
0: Absolutely, it all happens in divine timing I believe. Absolutely. So can you just, I know I've given you an introduction, people know a little bit about your background but Can you just give us a little bit more insight into your passion specifically around what we're talking about today, which is healthy aging, gut health, diet, and the microbiome? Because I know you've got quite a good knowledge around this stuff, but why? Where did all of this come from for you?
1: This actually all came from, if I go back probably 14 years or so. I have always been passionate about health and when I was probably 25 or so, I decided I wanted to get really fit and healthy and I got more into, you know, fitness was my first passion and I started competing in bodybuilding competitions and that's where the food came in because I didn't know how to eat properly. You think you know, but you don't know. But that experience helped me to learn how to eat for aesthetics and to feel good and to look good and all of that. And that's when I really started realizing, wow, there's such a huge connection with how, what we eat, how we look, how we feel and all of that. And it wasn't until I had my first child when I was 30 that I then started navigating childhood health. And that, and I've I've noticed that's a big catalyst for most people is when they have children. You you start you start to navigate health from square from you know square one again. You're back to the beginning of how do you raise this child to be healthy? You start navigating sicknesses and all sorts of things. And that was a catalyst for me to really get into gut health because every time my son would get sick, I thought I started going down the antibiotics path and just treating everything like that. And I realized very quickly when I was around six months of age, surely this can't be the way we look at health. Surely there's more to it. Why is he getting sick all the time? What do I need to do to really understand this? And I started doing microbiome testing through other practitioners for him. And I found the whole thing fascinating. And I started doing more research and more understanding. And so I I was still sort of, I had like a fitness blog at the time, And it was getting more into the food and the food and the food and the gut health. So I decided that I wanted to really navigate my fitness blog into more of a health blog. And then I decided I really want to get into this. Really, like the kind of person I am, I want to get into things really, really thoroughly. So I went back to uni and and studied nutrition through Torrance University because I thought I just want to understand this really well. And people were asking me for my help as well. It's kind of like this whole momentum where a lot of people knew They were following me for years through fitness and they were asking me questions like, how do I do this? How do I do that? I decided to get qualified and actually open and rebrand as Nutrition is Medicine as a business and start to help people in that perspective. And I knew that I didn't know enough. So, of course, my curious mind was like, I I need to know more and more and more. And I went to this seminar through Changing Habits. They, you know, they've got their Nutrition Academy. So
0: I started doing... In your mirror, isn't it?
1: Yes, in your mirror. I started doing... Their courses went to this seminar where I came across Dr. Margie Smith from Smart DNA and she presented all her genetics testing and the gut testing. And I sat there, my mind just went because mm-hmm. I was like, this is what health is about. And why isn't everybody doing gut testing like this? And why doesn't anyone know about this? And I just found it fascinating. So I actually called Smart DNA a few days later and I said, how do I get into this? How do I become a practitioner? I just asked them, how do I become a practitioner in this? How do I start doing this? And they said to me, well, send us your qualifications and we'll tell you if if we could do that through us. So I did and they said yes. And that was the beginning of it all and I started doing – the testing and trying to understand the reports and, and I and I have a very technical mind being an was engineer as I about to as well. say yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm sure like I think for you there's this beautiful merging of worlds as an engineer and that real scientist brain and I know that I've mentored you you know over a couple of years now and you've always you've just got this brain that works differently <laughs> to other people and you just love the clarity you need to know the exact details which is a superpower like I think that that's one of your clinical superpowers and I'm sure your patients love that like because you know like a lot of people nowadays want that type of care and they want to know that what they're paying for is going to have that detail and attention so um yes I've been Involved in the way your mind works for quite a while and I just thought I would mention of (laughs) that. that. I love
1: that, Carly. Yeah, yeah. So, And that's when I also realised that the detail, the core of this here is understanding the bacterial species in these microbiome reports.
0: And Uh, what a world that is, right? Oh, my God. Like this is like we all need degrees in how to like understand and interpret these things it's not for the everyday person is it like this is no absolutely
1: not no absolutely not and and I've always just tried to and I got lucky I guess last year that Dr Jason Horalak released his course 10-week courses a mentorship and that came right right at a good time and I just jumped on it and it's been the best thing I ever did because he goes down to species level in bacteria and he understands it so well and the advanced microbiome manipulation course that I just finished that is all about the species and I was so excited to go into I'm such a nerd but I was so excited to go into the species level because for me that's 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 the core of it and so that's my focus individualized on I, yeah.
0: treatment isn't it like that's that's yeah. part of this individualized treat treatment which we have to be moving towards like in terms of and and this comes about in I'm sure the world of DNA, but also gut microbiome, nutrition, genetics, aging. Like it, we can't do these generalized treatment. And I know from my own knowledge with gut species and stuff like that. When we're treating people on that level with then specific therapies that match and target those species, we get great outcomes in clinic, don't we? Like I'm sure you see so many better outcomes with your patients because of the level of understanding you have about these things.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I I like that you've mentioned individualized approach because it really is. And I've had some people say to me, oh, but your gut's always changing. So what's the point in doing gut tests? And I'm like, actually, it's not actually not always if you most people eat the same things all the time so it's not going to dramatically change um especially when you look at how the gut evolves from birth through to around sort of age four that's that's the core development of what their gut will be as an adult and it doesn't hugely change unless they do dramatic things to their lifestyle and medications and surgeries and Mm. food right yes you have to Uh,
0: change you have to do change and that's hard for a lot of people isn't it Oh, yes. Most people like their style of eating
1: and their style of lifestyle. And even if they know those habits aren't serving them, they still don't want to give up certain things because it's so hard to change their their attachment to food. Whole other area of discussion is food psychology. We won't go there today. We won't go because <laughs> yeah, we yeah.
0: haven't even dived into like the <laughs> of what we want to talk about. This is just introduction. Okay. With that, let's move on, yeah? Let's- yeah, let's do it we both love a little chat. I do this with everyone on the podcast. I get onto little little tangents and <laughs> anyway, that's that's the beauty of um podcasting. Right. So let's talk about healthy aging because I think we all as human beings want to age well, like that's a huge life goal for everyone. So how does I want to know from you and your learnings recently about, how does gut health change the way we actually age and is there an impact happening here?
1: Yeah, definitely. I have I have found this area fascinating because I've noticed how even the two two people of the same age chronologically can be at very different places in their health and look physically different as well. Mm. Part of it is genetics, of course, but I think that... As, you know, as we age, the microbiome changes. And I noticed this once I started doing this, when I first started doing the smart DNA testing, they always had a gut age. And I asked, asked Dr. Smith, "What? how do you determine gut age in these reports? And she said, well, we have a cohort of, you know, of our patient data, and we have been able to make correlations between certain bacterial species, change, species changing or changes and their age. And then when I did Dr. Horalak's course, he very much went into it where he was saying as we get older, we lose diversity of bacterial species, um, and that results in poorer cognition and verbal fluency changes, but we tend to have an increase in pathogens. So increased proteobacteria populations, increased E. coli, and increased sulfate-reducing bacteria it tends to happen. That was from two studies from 2020 and 2019. I'll have to send you some links where that, that came yes. up. Um, yeah,
0: we can pop them in the show notes for everyone. Yeah, I'll, I'll pop them all. All the, all the other nerds, nerds out there.
1: All <laughs> the other nerds who may or may not read it. But um, certainly what what I found fascinating is is the studies around people who reach age 100, so centenarians, who are in very good health. So what is it about them that is such good health? And one of the things that came up in a 2021 study was that they didn't have diminished Acomansia concentrations which is which is a gut lining bacteria, right it supports yeah. the mucous lining of the gut so they tend tended to have a, a decent amount of still beneficial species but they had a comancia. but also as you know our butyrate-producing bacteria are so important to our health, and if you lose them, a lot of things start to go downhill as well. Um, and also, changes observed as we age is decrease in Bifidobacteria as well. And I've noticed as well um, drop off in oxalate-degrading bacteria as well. Because I think what happens is as we so we you know ideally in a perfect world we're born with a very good gut ecology from our mum that we inherit, Hopefully. and we're Hopefully in an <laughs> ideal world. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and then from there that the child is ideally, I'm not saying in all cases, but ideally this is a perfect world. Um, they're breastfed and in a perfect world, they wouldn't have undergone too many antibiotic rounds or medications or even surgeries in that time. Because um, if that happens within the first three, four years of life, the microbiome will go backwards and then it has to recover again. And Mm -hmm. I've seen that in a really good study. There was a really good TED talk I watched of this. um, uh, Someone was talking about that. He showed in his TED talk how with charts of different babies with um, their gut bacteria sort of charted over time how the microbiome regressed because they lost species and it had to recover on its own but if the onslaught is constant then it really doesn't recover very well so it really depends on how we start and then how we nurture the gut as we get older um, of course we can't always control what happens we can't control if we have to have surgery we can't control if we get sick and need antibiotics yes, but it's I think part of life isn't it and- it is And 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 we all go through like I've had to undergo 2 two. CC sections and of course antibiotics and that resulted in me having a dysbiotic gut after I had my second child but I knew enough to go okay I need to really do a lot of gut work here and it'll take as long as it takes mm-hmm. but I think most people do don't have that knowledge or they don't know where to start. So they kind of leave it. And the
0: education or the awareness, like some people don't even know the impact or the information that you've just shared will be empowering, you know, to people to be like, oh yeah, like, you know, painting that bigger picture and those seeds, you know, so hopefully there's mothers and fathers listening today that go, wow, there's such a big impact in the early years. And when we know better, we can do better and we make better choices.
1: Definitely. And I think part of that as well is, not giving up on fixing your gut and just continuing to work on it and realize it is a lifelong journey to always be um, you know, checking in on yourself and working on it and, and getting it better. But I think it's fascinating that at the core of it, if we lose key beneficial bacteria and, and as we get older, what tends to happen is the pathogens kind of take over, causing inflammation in the gut, uh, causing uh gut lining issues that may cause gut permeability problems. And then once that happens, then it's even more of an onslaught to the immune system and to your health and to the ability for you to absorb nutrients properly, to make vitamins properly, to make short chain mm-hmm. fatty acids properly. So I think that, that that affects the aging process to a huge, huge extent is how that evolves as we're getting older and to how ha- and how how bad does that get? Um, so most people who end up with a lot of health issues, it's because of just a lot of that onslaught to the gut
0: over time and if they never do anything to really try and repair it. Do you are you saying that those changes to Acamensia and our butyrate producing bacteria um are obviously not helping us age as well? And would you say that antibiotics um are like the biggest impact? Uh, to the acamensia or reducing butyrate producing species or is there something else? Um,
1: I wouldn't say it's just antibiotics. I have noticed that it's also obviously the food you're eating, obviously. So let's not forget that if you're having a highly processed diet, if you're drinking a lot of soft drinks, having a lot of alcohol, if you're smoking, if you're also not just antibiotics, but I've noticed people who need to take antacids, who need to take medications for various other things, the combination of all of that really yeah. is too much for the gut to handle. So um, I think a lot of people don't realize is that, our bacteria now, our large intestine very much relies on fiber, plant fiber to survive. So if someone, for example, is going to go full keto and they're having a high meat, high fat diet, then what is feeding your bacteria and your large intestine? Not much. And as you know, those sort of fat-loving bacteria like Abilophilus, Dysorphibrius, they thrive in those environments mm-hmm. as do methanogens. And they cause the biggest problem, in my opinion, as does the overgrowth of things like E. coli and all sorts of things like that. Um, So what we're eating all the time makes a big difference to what we're feeding. And if we lose key commensal bacteria over time, often they don't come back. And then that's a problem as well. Like you need as much diversity of good bacteria Mm. to really be healthy. So um, over time... If that onslaught is happening over years and years and years, by the time we get to older age, what is really protecting our body at that point?
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. I was. I think I was hoping that's where we, where you were going to go with that. I think that you know from my experience and the knowledge that I have, nutrition and what we eat every single day and our lifestyle. Um, alcohol smoking exercise stress all of those things have such a impact on on the gut microbiome as you've just explained are there any specific like foods or dietary habits that you think are really important for um healthy aging and a good gut microbiome like yeah, can yeah, you? Yeah, yeah.
1: Look, I've pro- at
0: the moment. <laughs> well,
1: I'm obsessed with high act- high antioxidant fruits
0: at the moment. What um, does that mean? For- so, yeah, yeah for if the no for anyone an antioxidant rich is, let's go back to basics for people. So
1: for me, it's providing as much antioxidants in the body so that it can
0: combat
1: your free radicals and inflammation. And all the learning and knowledge I did last year made me realize I wasn't eating enough fruit, especially your berries. And I'm obsessed with now eating blackberries and dragon fruit and papaya and kiwi fruit. And like that's become a huge staple in my diet to have those sort of range of fruits every day. I think most adults don't eat much fruit. So they're missing out on a lot of vitamins, a lot of good fiber, a lot of rich antioxidants. It's going to combat anything that's that's sort of the body's trying to get rid of that's inflammatory it's kind of the
0: polyphenols right like it's yeah, that polyphenols the yeah word, the colored that's like the, anything that's purple or red the, orange, red, the green yellow like yeah The like rainbow almost isn't yeah, it yeah
1: yeah and as well as obviously plants so your all your vegetables and and
0: salads and all of
1: that as well so i really make a, a huge effort to to really include that
0: every day in my diet um Hey, Lucy, I have this, I've just wanted to put this in here. I haven't, this is not, I have not had the opportunity yet to cross-check this with any type of literature. But the other day I came across, uh, Bernadette, my associate naturopath, and I, we were kind of having a little chat about something that we came across in terms of bananas in smoothies with your polyphenol foods, which are high in the antioxidants that we were just discussing. And apparently there's a constituent within bananas that actually reduce polyphenol absorption and oh,
1: from bananas
0: yeah and i do need to kind of dive deeper into this um as i mentioned but and i i will have to come back and maybe share this on my instagram stories at some point with an update but it's really interesting to me because it kind of reminds me of zinc and copper calcium and iron like we have um nutrients that compete for absorption and kind of you know we kind of think it's all about eating things all of the time but Sometimes it's also about what we're eating certain foods with and food combining. Um, and I just thought it was really interesting because so often we combine banana with berries and different foods in smoothies and that can be make up a whole breakfast. And then if that's mitigating, I suppose, the benefits of the, um, the po- polyphenols, it kind of was like blew my mind a little bit because so I was like, bugger. <laughs> that's interesting you mention that because – See, I
1: instinctively don't eat bananas. Right. I don't digest bananas well at all. It's probably, probably because of the, just, just the, the sugar component, yes. the fructose component is quite high. My thoughts are, and this is the way I approach everyone's diet, is once I look at the microbiome test results, I then have a look at what are you better off, like what do we need to support to grow the right bacteria and what's causing problems because often that's where I see the answers to their gut problems. So sometimes it's, it's a while before they can put certain foods back in, right? There's are just foods that you can't, like, I, for example, even now can't eat bananas or mangoes. Mm-hmm. I can't because yep. of my SIBO. So, so you have to adapt. And that's why that's, I think that's where people get confused. They're like, but I'm eating healthy and I don't feel good. Yep. Like, why don't I feel good eating healthy? Like, I just, I just, I'm, I'm doing my green smoothies, I'm doing my fruit and yet I don't feel good. And that's where people say, well, once I cut all the
0: fruit and veg, I was fine. So I went carnivore because I'm fine. Oh, you I know? hear it all the time. And sometimes it's like, I feel better if I go and eat McDonald's like or pizza. I can go and have a pizza and I feel better than if I sit down and eat a healthy salad. And it's almost a bit of a red flag for me of going, oh dear, your gut microbiome and your likely have SIBO and all of the things. So I think hopefully if this is you listening, it's a, you know, a bit of motivation to go, right, I need to fix my gut.
1: Well, yes, because then my question is, hang on, why can't you digest foods that are healthy? There's a reason you can't digest. And I always say it's probably because you're missing key good bacteria that break down these fibres and so whatever's there is just going to cause a lot of fermentation, most likely SIBO if it's within that short time frame and they're all gassy and bubbly and whatever. Yeah. Um, so we need to do something about that because there's no reason why you can't eat those foods. And I often say, and I learned this from Dr. Horolak, is sometimes the meat doesn't cause problems because they've stopped feeding the hydrogen sulfide bacteria, but they're now feeding the methane-producing bacteria and the methane guys are a slow burn. So Ooh. they they're going to be but in the background doing nothing until they're a problem and then getting rid of methanogens is such a pain. So I always say you feel fine now, but you're just, you're just slowly building something else in the background actually.
0: Yes. (laughs) And then there's that whole, um, and and we're not going to dive too deep into this today, but I just want to quickly touch on it. There's that whole issue of, I don't feel well eating fruits and vegetables and salads. And so then it just it saddens me deeply that then it creates this cascade of just food elimination of the most healthiest nutrient-dense food that you could possibly eat for not just nutrition, but for good microbiome health and healthy aging, right? And this yes. is why I'm so passionate about, you know, food and nutrition and why I created the Sebo Food Roadmap. And You are a certified practitioner in the SIBO Food Roadmap. You've trained with me um, and learnt the ins and outs of this, um, and I know that you've been using it in your practice. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with, you know, because it's a recently new thing. Um, I only started training practitioners lately in 2023 it's something that I've used for years in my own practice and I thought hey I'm getting such great outcomes with patients with this diet therapy I want to train other practitioners so I've shared my knowledge over to people like yourself Lucia but I think it's also really great for people to hear from other practitioners about the outcomes and even your experience with using it can you tell us a little bit about yeah what's happening in your yeah, practice yeah. and have you got any exciting updates or I do I do you know I do about? so
1: yeah, no, and I should give you the feedback more often, but I, I get busy. But um, busy. I, so mm-hmm. I, I, in my practice, I work in packages and programs like you do because, and as you probably know, anyway, you get the best outcomes. It's not about, oh, I'm trying to, make more dollars here no it's because if someone can commit to working with me for a period of time i can do my best work and they can get the best outcomes because we've established that we're going to commit and we're going to get consistency in when we see each other and the testing that we're going to do and we can follow a journey together Absolutely. and i i see way way better results in people who do my what i my microbiome and food healing package that's what it's called and i used to include a food plan a seven-day food plan that they would just repeat over a number of weeks and i'd write it myself and it would take a long time for me to write it um so when you brought out your SIBO food roadmap the first thing i saw first of all i put myself through it because i was dealing with my SIBO so i put myself through it and i immediately saw changes in my symptoms because i went through a massive relapse end of last year for many reasons and i i Remember, I was in huge flare-up where I couldn't even sit down properly. I was just in a lot of pain, a lot of trapped gas. It was awful. And I thought, no, I know what I need to do. So I need to just practice what I preach and do this myself. So I did. I immediately stopped having all the symptoms that I was having of SIBO. They stopped within a day or two. And I noticed that what you've done with your program, which you've done so well, is you've thought about the food that is going to help, that is still healthy, that isn't going to be super restrictive so i know your week one is two weeks sorry your stage one is two weeks max and that is a like a, that's cut a lot of carbs out but it's still got lots of plants it's mostly plants and what i like is that you've really thought about the foods that aren't going to cause reactivity for probably 90 percent of people i would say yeah. and then stage two is like your SIBO healing phase that's the longest phase but there's a lot of inclusion in there and i love that There's no guessing or trying to figure out what foods may or may not work. And so I decided to put the SIBO Food Roadmap in my latest package as part of the package. And I love it because it's a huge recipe book. It's designed to not only go through a healing phase, but also how do I come out of the more restricted healing phase into more of a diet of inclusion? Because often people will go on like a um, low FODMAP diet and kind of stay on that for a long time and then not know how they're going to move forward. And we both know that the microbiome needs as much food diversity and plant diversity as possible. To be properly healthy, and for people to actually feel like that they have diversity and freedom and choices in their diet, they're not so restricted. So I've been doing and using your program for a while for my patients, and not so far, not one person has really had any major problems with it. Um, and maybe one person was a little bit sensitive, but we've worked through it. And I obviously go through the program with them, and I pull up the recipe book, and I pull up the, I actually pull up the um, food plan in stage two and stage one, I walk them through how they're going to do it. I show them this is this is your shopping list, this is what you're going to buy. Like I walk them through that and I open up the PDS and I walk them through it before I give them anything. And if they need to take anything out, if there's some high histamine or anything that I need to take out, I'll walk them through that as well. So I noticed that it's not such so much a SIBO food roadmap diet. It can also be adapted for any gut dysbiotic issues. Absolutely. Um, so I say to people, I know it's called SIBO food remedy, but this isn't so much for that as well. It can also be adapted to
0: other gut dysbiotic problems and people Any have been type of it. kind of gut infection I find, you know, all yeah. that really sad, poor microbiome. Um, and because often when you're seeing, like we discussed before, a sad, low, diverse, unhealthy microbiome, Often that's because of an imbalance and there's pathogens there and we kind of want those pathogens to leave while we kind of can then rebuild up the the microbiome. And this is where the SIBO food roadmap can kind of, even if the person doesn't have SIBO, it still can help rebalance all of that from a dietary perspective, and then that's where, you know, you would be coming in with your therapies on top of all of that to target those pathogens or, you know, and you can individualise it for, for the patient. So I, I love that you've mentioned that about, you know, it's called the SIBO Food Roadmap, but it definitely can be used um, for non-SIBO patients.
1: Yeah, definitely, because the biggest question I get asked in practice is literally, Lucia, tell me what to eat and what not to eat.
0: And I'm it's sure you get us the same question. And it's confusing, yeah. isn't it? Like, Because yeah. I sometimes say to people,
1: because I'm terrible like this, I tend to not follow any recipes when I eat, when I cook. I just kind of throw lots of things together. So sometimes I'll say, here's all the recipes as part of the of Food Roadmap. But if you're finding that it's just too hard to follow, buy all the foods from the
0: shopping list and eat them as you want. Mix and match
1: them, create your own yep. meals. Yeah. <laughs> create your own meal. It does, you know, because some people get stressed about following it to a T. I'm like, this is your shopping list. Yep. So if you just want to buy all that and you eat as you want and mix as you want, you can do that too. Yep. And that way it takes the pressure of being so strict as well. Absolutely. So it, it's about adaptability and people feeling like they have freedom. I also teach people, like, as we move through my programs and packages, how are you going to eat out as well? Because that's the biggest question I have is, well, when I want to go out to eat, how do I order off a menu? I personally have no problems ordering off a menu anymore. Even even on the SIBO food roadmap, I could still order off a menu out. So, I, there's a lot of tricks to that as well. So.
0: Oh, yeah, Yeah. and I think if you can empower people to make those simple changes um, in everyday life um, because that can really set people back or even stop them from wanting to work with people like you and I because they're like, I've just got weddings and all of the things and they're like, how am I going to do this? And they've got most likely a really bad past experience of starting something like this and then not being able to finish it because it's too hard to follow during life like like oh it is and look, even,
1: it, even for me even for me i found it hard to follow it to mm-hmm. a t and i just kind of gave myself a break sometimes i went okay Perfect. this meal is not going to be strict
0: no it's and what we do I, every day yeah and and, and sometimes it.
1: i'll say to people well let's be flexible i don't want to put pressure on you to be so strict and you have to follow but but if if you do need to go to a wedding and you want to just relax a little bit here are some tips and tricks to do that and forgive yourself for that. It's fine. Don't stress. But it may take you longer to heal. Yeah. So as long as you're aware of that, that we may take you longer to heal because we have a little bit of a setback and the gut's kind of maybe really needing that strictness for a while. I've had other people who are like, nope, Lucia, I am dedicated to this. I'm sticking to this for – say, I want you to stick to this for at least three, four weeks and then touch base with me. I've had some patients who are super diligent and did not break at all. And they see amazing results. Their their health completely changes. Oh, yeah. So
0: We've had like even recently in our clinic, um, Bernadette, while well, I've been on um, maternity leave, she's been supporting our patients through the program and using the SIBO Food Roadmap and just the most quickest, most incredible results, like responses that even blew us away because of the type of people that, you know, we've had the uh, – pleasure of helping because they've come in and I understand everyone's different. We all come in at different stages of life and we have other external factors that impact our ability to fully commit to these things. Um, But like you said, when you're able to go fully in, it's just a, a quick experience. Like we've had like some people do a round of SIBO treatment recently and come back and the levels of their gas, like, so much lower, like, so quickly. like And, like, the rule of thumb for SIBO is, like, a round of SIBO treatment would generally drop by, like, 30 parts per million in a round. But, like, I'm busting the walls in that, you know, in that in our clinic at the moment, like we're getting patients come back where it's like 60 or 70 or 80 parts per million reduction in a round and it's blowing our mind, you know. And I yeah, think excellent, part, excellent. Of, part of that is the the dedication, the simplicity and the ease of the SIBO food roadmap. And I just think that when people can be really um, diligent with their diet it makes, like, forget about the supplements for a second. Yeah. You know, like, I just think that nutrition and food, so much can be said for how that can impact. And when you have something to follow that, like the SIBO food roadmap that has all of the benefits, I just, yeah, we're seeing awesome things. So... I,
1: no, I am too. I am too uh, with, with people who have been doing that, that they really feel different. And I, I get feedback saying, all my symptoms are gone like mm-hmm. the bloating's gone the gas is gone and i see also which i love is when people say to me my energy has just done this yeah when the energy really increases i get so excited because i know that that's something that's so hard to get through life when yeah. you have no energy you're on like second gear all the time mm-hmm. and you just and it's hard to exercise it's hard to be motivated it's hard to feel positive about your life for me energy changes are so important to see that and and then they feel hopeful about their journey and everything is so much just like the clouds part and they can just see the light you know
0: clarity have you noticed some changes to weight um weight for patients like whether that be like weight loss or even like um we've had some patients that came to us really malnourished and underweight and they were able to put healthy weight back on and then we've had some patients you know lose two or three kilos um you know, even as quick as transitioning into the stage two of the SIBO food roadmap, are you seeing similar things? Yes,
1: yes. Most people, even when I was writing food plans and I was writing the food plans according to the appropriate calories for themselves as well, as well as macros, everyone that does my programs and packages loses weight. Not mm-hmm. dramatically, and not in a way that's bad, but but I feel like it's like their body stabilizes to what should be their natural healthy weight. Um and for most people it's weight loss mm-hmm. um because the weight usually was a problem for them. Um I get excited about my male clients actually because they're the ones who have been suffering for a long, long time.
0: Pulling um, out all the males. Yeah. Come out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, stop guys suffering. come out
1: and yeah, stop suffering. Oh. Just just get it done. Normally it's their wives booking it in for them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I've had really good success with with the males as well because they emotionally and energetically, they were in a bad way and that's really shifted Um, and they feel really good again. So that, that's exciting for me as well. Not just women, but also men need to focus about their health too. And I think that's important. Um, One, a lot of, few of my clients have fallen pregnant easily after doing all this as well. Like there's all sorts of changes that I've seen. uh, I get a lot of uh, females in the perimenopause menopause stage with really strong symptoms that completely go away when we just focus on gut health and diet yep so that's exciting for me too
0: definitely yes I would I really would love to see more men um coming like me too yeah me too I think it's I think it's I don't know why, but I feel like society kind of goes, Oh, you're
1: a guy. You don't need to focus on that. No, we all need to. Everybody needs to. so I, I would definitely encourage more of the more of the males to come out of the woodwork and do mm-hmm. some gut work and you you feel different. You need I, I my thought size, my theory, Carly, everyone in this planet, if they can, who hasn't done a microbiome test, need to do one. Amen
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's a big yes from me too.
1: So I always say, It's not about the kind of diet you need to be on. It's about what your unique microbiome needs to be in its healthiest state. And I don't know what that looks like until I see a microbiome report.
0: Yeah, and so many of the practitioners who I mentor uh, always say to me, but my clients say I can't afford it or, you know, and like, I'm just going to call it out for what it is right now. And I think do it. (laughs) like, if you want to get better, you're going to have to spend the money, like nothing ever. Look, I, like, I know, agree. I, I
1: think, I think honestly, you will find a way you mm-hmm. will find. And I know that sounds maybe straight to the point, but I see people able to afford all sorts of things that are luxuries.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't think paying for a microbiome test and a couple of consultations to optimize your health and possibly even avoid things like cancer Is too expensive for you to pay money for
0: and it's all about priorities and if you want it enough you will change something in order to get that maybe you won't be absolutely straight away but reach out to people who are specialists in this area have a Even if it's just that complimentary free call, which so many of us offer, get an understanding of how much that might cost you. And like you would put money away for your annual family holiday or whatever, buying a new car, you know, put money away. Like I recently had a home birth, right? So I had my first home birth. I love like talking about this because I think it can, you know, shift your mindset a little bit. I've had two home births. The first one was a last-minute thing and cost me a lot of money and we had to pull out of our savings to pay for that. Then after I had that experience and I was so happy with the outcomes from that home birth that I said, right, there is no way I'm not going to home birth again. And the money, the price tag of that home birth, nearly, like I'm talking so close made me not home birth because I was like I can't afford it we're saving money you know we've got a mortgage we've got a kid on the way like all the stories going through my head right and I went oh and it was actually my daughter at the time that was just like just forget about the money just pay it like you want this so much just just do it right changed my life. So glad that I did. No regrets. But after I had Will, I was like, right, I know how much it's going to cost me and I want another child. So I started, I created in my bank account, an account called home birth. And every single week I started putting money away into an account. And I had, by the time I ended up birthing um, Sunny, I had more than I needed in that account to do that. So if that means that you start putting money aside, create, have in your bank account a health fund, like a health
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you absolutely. Can start
0: spending money on your health. Because if you are not well and you can't invest money into your health, like you're going to be constantly stuck on that hamster wheel and constantly using that as an excuse, and it will forever hold you back. Nothing absolutely, is absolutely,
1: like no, no, nothing is, and I know that these tests aren't government subsidised, which is a real shame. The gut test a GP does is not the same as a gut microbiome test, not a not a same, not a metagenome test. It's a culture test, so it's completely different, and it doesn't tell you what this sort of thing tells you. And us as practitioners, Carly, we know how to interpret these reports really well. Now, I I've done my microbiome testing four times, as well as SIBO twice in the last two and a half years to get my health where i knew i needed to be post the birth of my daughter and i don't regret any of it it has given me exactly the answers i needed to get my health to a really good place and i feel really good with my health right now it's always a moving target it can always get better and better and i want to do another gut test again soon especially once microbiome i want to do i want to do do cobiome myself i've did did microbiome insights but i need to do cobiome
0: and um Maybe we can do them and keep us accountable now. We can be like, hey, K- hey Lucia, Carly, have you have you ordered your co yet? <laughs>
1: I know. And I regret it when they gave me a discount code and I forgot to book it in because I wanted to do it for my daughter, Valentina, as well. You know, I've done, I've done it for, for classic my Classic mum,
0: just going to say, classic mum being like, oh, I'll do my daughter first. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. right? Well, out there, do your own test.
1: <laughs> definitely. Look, I definitely will do hers, but I, I know that I'm still in my journey of SIBO healing. But, yeah, it look, all I, oh, you know this, but I'll say this, you will never regret doing a microbiome test ever. The Results and the information and knowledge is so powerful and empowering for you to fix your health. That's where you start. If you're going to focus on any kind of testing, you do a gut microbiome test first,
0: in my opinion. Yeah, love it. So, so good. Hello, this is just a quick break from today's episode because I have a game changer for all healthcare practitioners out there and it's my SIBO food roadmap and practitioner training. Elevate your practice with this comprehensive program designed exclusively for practitioners passionate like you, aiming to make a profound effect on your clients' lives through their diet and successful IBS and SIBO treatment. Unlock the power of my dietary therapy, the 6 age system, guiding your clients through their SIBO treatment journey. Say goodbye to confusion. This roadmap provides clear dietary protocols, ensuring optimal results and long-term relief. Gain access to the full training, invaluable resources, a detailed guide, a recipe book with over 70 plus detailed SIBO friendly recipes and four weeks worth of meal plans, making the SIBO food roadmap a breeze for both you and your clients. You're going to dive into exclusive video tutorials led by myself offering insights, research-based knowledge and practical strategies for exceptional results. Become a certified practitioner with prescribing rights, empowering you to guide your clients confidently. And guess what? As an affiliate, your prescription of the SIBO Food Roadmap will see you earn a generous 20% commission with each referral enrollment, and that's a win-win. Elevate your practice and make a lasting impact on your clients' lives. Sign up now using the code ROADMAP100, all in capitals, for a $100 discount. Head to our show note link now. Revolutionise your practice with the SIBO Food Roadmap and practitioner training. Now, let's move into, I just want to, before we go, because we've kind of covered so much awesome stuff today. I love it. Anything that you would like to share in terms of like personal tips or practices um, that you might follow in order for inspiring others to maintain good gut health and healthy aging and good nutrition? Like maybe there's a couple of little things that you want to just Yeah, I
1: think something I haven't touched on that I think we all should be thinking about is it's not just real. I think, okay, so ageing well in general has a lot to do with how well your gut is ageing, how well your DNA is replicating and repairing. So um, I did find a really cool article that talked about biological ageing versus chronological ageing, and I love how it was talking about how Um, Your diet, your exercise levels, your mindset all play a role in how well you biologically age. At the core of it, they reckon that it's a whole other discussion, but how well your telomeres maintain length actually determines how well you age. whole other discussion there. I thought it was fascinating. But of course the better your DNA repairs and replicates, the less likelihood you are of having cancers, cardiovascular disease, obesity, diabetes, even Alzheimer's. But we know that our bacteria is also our gut bacteria DNA. So our our DNA is not just our human DNA, it's our gut bacteria DNA too. And I was reading around how that's what makes, makes us so unique mm. is that we have DNA from our bacteria that influence our health too. So um, first for me, It definitely is gut health first and also my mindset second and that's something that i didn't focus enough on especially when you're a mom and you're just focusing on like you know getting your kids to a good place health wise and and all of that stuff and you're so busy and we're all so busy but what i do now is i go out in my backyard every morning out on the back deck i go out in the sunshine i put my feet in the grass and i do my meditations and gratitude and affirmations and I'm very spiritual slash religious, so I pray as well. And yeah. I do this every day. Sometimes I do it several times a day. I've done an enormous amount of inner work and self-development for about six months last year with um, Rowena. As you know, Rowena Jane, you know her. She has changed my life. Once I started going to the energetic part of my well-being
0: and self, things changed. Yeah, Rowena is a um, coach on our Nourish Gut program and um yes she's coming on this podcast at some point this year so you can um you will be graced with her presence her knowledge her amazingness very soon um but yes i have a lot of love for that lovely lady
1: yep i know it's a whole other discussion but i think yes eating well exercising gut health is important but our mindset and how we are connected to ourselves as people, how we connect with others in our relationships, how positive we are about the things that are happening in our lives, that plays a bigger role in our health mm-hmm. than anything else.
0: There's actually the Netflix. Um, I think we. I think this is a really nice place to kind of wrap up today and um, having you on the podcast. There was a, a Netflix documentary that I watched last year. It was all about the... Um, the blue zones um, around the world and it was looking at aging and longevity and this guy traveled around the world and went and met with um, some of the oldest people in the world and there was lots of different factors for each culture or demographic or place where these people were living that contributed but one thing that really stood out to me with all of these different people in different zones around the world was that connection with other people through religion through friendships through families through community groups exercise groups like mother groups you know like you think about all of the the ways in order and the the ways sorry in which we can be connected to somebody else and it really created longevity for these people each person had their own way of having connection to somebody else and we are human beings right we 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 need that connection we do i I agree and
1: and I think we have to pay more attention to that connection, especially as we're living in a very digital social media world and everyone's kind of living online. It's very easy to not connect with people at a human level because it's all digital. and It's all texting and it's all these non-real in-person connections. And I think that's so important that we try and really connect in person with people and not just online, because I think we're straying away from that a lot, that I talked to someone via text, that's enough. Well, no, we didn't meet in person. It's a very different experience to meet someone in person than it is online. Yeah. So, And the centenarians we talk about, they are people, notice the ones who live to over a 100 or more and in really good co- cognitive health as well, they're not rich people. They're often not rich people at all. They're just people who lived a very spiritual life that had good relationships with others and kind of, slow down with the way they did things not not constantly doing things and not constantly wanting things they just were happy being which I think is really important yeah
0: absolutely and I think that you know definitely the digital world has gives us this false sense of connection so hopefully today as you're listening you're inspired to put down your phone to eat some more polyphenols (laughs) do a microbiome test And
1: go go meet up with someone in person. Go organise to meet a friend in person, whether it's a walk or whatever, but don't just connect with people online only.
0: Yeah, completely agree. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Lucia. Is there anything else before we say an official goodbye? Do you have one little parting message to everyone? Oh, wow, you put me on the spot now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I think I've said everything I need to say. I think that, you know, prioritise your health. Don't be afraid to invest in that. Um, Ask yourself, how can I make this happen rather than I can't and this is too hard. I, I think I always have that approach in my life is, Rather than say no, I ask myself, how can I make this happen? And if I had said no too hard to a lot of things in my life, I wouldn't have be been where I am at all. I've always I've always asked myself, how can I make this happen? What can I do to how make this how and when, when?
0: Yeah. How can I do this? Yeah. It doesn't have to be now. We live in a world where we expect everything immediately and now. So just be patient. If you can't do it now hold yourself accountable or find someone else that can hold you accountable to to what that goal might be. I think yeah. it's a really important thing beautiful. Thank you so much for listening. And if you know someone who could benefit from this information, please share this episode of the podcast. And we would be forever grateful for you to subscribe so that you get notifications for all of our upcoming episodes on the Nourish God podcast. I can't wait to chat to you again soon. Take care. Thank you, Carly. Bye, Lucia. Did you like what you heard? Leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about my Nourish Gut program or the Nourish Gut Kids membership, head over to my website. Would you like to be a part of a community that gets it? Join our Facebook group, Nourish Gut Community, or come and follow me over on Instagram. All of these links can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time on the Nourish Gut Podcast.